People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Ahoy me mateys and welcome to another episode. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, thank you very much for bearing with us in these uh, particularly difficult times. Um, we are struggling to get shows out due to the fact that the internet is ass at the minute, uh, to put it bluntly. Uh, everybody's at home, everybody's watching Netflix and Prime and all the rest of it. Um, so, Pornhub. So, the problem is there's no internet to go around, so we're struggling. Because obviously we can't get together to do the show, so we're trying to do them over Skype. And Skype's being a bitch. Uh, and that was the same problem today. We had our own... On the bandwidth was so piss poor, we had to basically call Aaron. So there's no Aaron today; it's just me and the returning guest Cheryl Costa. Uh, but we are working on getting another show out for Patreon as soon as possible. Also, we've got working on um, I've, some of it will go on Patreon. It's going to be quite long, really long. Uh, it's not going to be an episode; it's going to be like a weird weird episode it's going to be um a patreon episode you know what i mean it's not going to be like a proper patreon episode it's going to be a weird episode because i've been sent some weird emails some a weird message um from a guy um who claimed to be inside a secret service uh, in australia um and he had information about an alien race trying to take over the world that kind of thing and he sent me a series of messages which he recorded for me um, and he was sending them periodically for maybe a few months and then all of a sudden he just dropped off the face of the earth um, his, his Facebook and everything's still up but he's not touched it for nearly 18 months um, you know, there's been no, he's just literally, he said he was off into the desert to hide, um, which is the last thing I heard, and then nothing. Anyway, the, 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 I'm working on the process now of cleaning the audio up, so, because it's recorded off a phone, it's, and there's quite a lot of background noise and all the rest of it, so it's difficult to hear, so I'm working on cleaning that up as much as I can. It's not going to be great quality, but I'm going to put it out there for people to listen to, and hopefully get some feedback of what you think, um, was going on there with, obviously, whether you think it was real or not but it was interesting um anyway so that is going that will as soon as i'm done with that i'm working on it a little bit of time it's going to be very long um i think it might take maybe maybe it'll be like um half an hour 40 minutes conversation but obviously we're cleaning it up and that's taking me a long time um but yeah it really weird really weird um, interesting as well, you know, some bits in there that I've not heard before about these alien beings, and um, yeah, it's interesting. So that's coming. Um, I'll see what it. Lo- I'll see what it, the finished article lo- sounds like, and if it's good enough to put out on the the free feed, then I'll do it. If not, I'll just put it up as a like a little quick bonus episode thing for Patreon. Back to bandwidth. So obviously there was an issue with that today. So you may hear in this interview, you may hear me dropping out from time to time you may hear Cheryl dropping out from time to time I've tried to edit that out as much as I can 
um, but obviously it is going to be in there so just bear that in mind there's not a lot can do about that that is just the way it is at the moment so returning guest Cheryl Costa so uh, if you've been listening for a long while you'll remember that we had Cheryl on when she brought out her first book which basically gave you the statistics of UFO sightings um, how how many happen per month uh, you know what times of the year the, the most people see them times a day and places and all the rest of it and it was like a breakdown um she called it the desk reference basically so it was literally just to sit on your desk and you could flip through and add all the stats in there you could you could want to know um if someone saw a ufo um say in april uh, at three o'clock in the afternoon you could literally look through this book and say yeah yeah a lot of people see them at a time you know so that's what the first book was and a lot of people enjoyed that book for what it was a lot of people thought that because it was a UFO book, it's going to have loads of UFO stories in it, which wasn't what it was set out to do. It was completely just to set, basically, like a scientific book on the study of UFOs. Um, but the second book she's just done, the, the UFO Beat, is more story-driven. It's more stories that you know, she got sent over a time when she was working for the paper there. Uh, so a lot of these were printed uh, in the paper that she worked for. So. That's kind of what it is. She's taken those stories, put them in a book form so you can read them all in one place. Uh, and she's got a few little anecdotes in there as she goes along as well. So if you like them sort of books, this is a book for you. So go to Amazon and look up Cheryl Costa UFO and you'll find her book. Um, right, so that being said, I think there's nothing else to add, I don't think. Um, I've got a, a, a review where a guy or girl mentioned that... Um, on, on some of the episodes where we do the paranormal news, we talk about or we make reference to articles and then we put them up on Facebook so people can look at the pictures essentially. If it's a if it's a, a story that has a video or a story that has a picture that's relevant, obviously we put the picture up on Facebook so people can have a look at what we're talking about. Uh, but he was saying that he's he doesn't go on Facebook, which I fully understand. Uh, and could we put the um, pictures on the website or something like that uh, I don't see that being a problem I think that can definitely be achieved I think if we do the paranormal news say once a month something like that I could even put it in the newsletter um, and all the all the things as well as Facebook so if you're on there obviously you'll get them there but if you're not then I'll put them in the newsletter so just go across the website sign up for the newsletter and yeah going forward as soon as you know I've got time I will do that so yeah that's not a problem and that was a four star review from Jetta so Jetta J so thank you very much for that okay without further ado let's get on with today's show I'll give you Cheryl Costa okay so we're living in in unprecedented times you know everybody's locked up at home and a lot of people are bored and no not a lot to do and a lot of people have been going outside and particularly looking at the uh, Starlink satellites which have been uh, you know, all over the world, seen all you know every other night. So, with a lack of pollution as well, I think that's made stargazing a little bit easier. And I've noticed a lot of people getting in touch with me, asking me about um, sightings that they've had uh, of strange phenomena. Not just the satellites; these are these are weird flashing lights and all sorts of different things. So, uh, I mean, have you been seeing the same sort of data coming your way? Well, okay, okay. Remember, I'm a statistician, so I'm I'm always working very much in the past. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I've been hearing it. Um, give an example. Uh, the newspaper I wrote my column for went out of business uh, last June. So I 
the mail, my mail went down to nothing. Okay. Suddenly, in the last two months, I've had mail, which is I found rather fascinating. Uh, I was talking with George Knapp. He's one of the uh, senior news directors out at KLAS out in Las Vegas. He's been getting calls up the wazoo. Okay. And we're going, what the heck is going on? So we, I said, okay, let me at least check the high-level numbers. Now, you know the UFO sighting numbers have been off the last few years. Okay? Okay. They uh, have general, been off. The general trend, yeah? The general trend has been, uh, to use a, a vulgar term, they've been in the toilet. Okay? <laughs> yeah. But I predicted it based on a natural cycle that has been seen observed over the last 60 or 70 years. Um, the sightings come up and go down, come up and go down. And if you look at the chart, it looks like a, a little snake crawling around, humpy, humpy, humpy type of thing. And it's about a six to seven year cycle. Uh, it goes down to a valley. It peaks up again. It goes down to a valley. Gradual. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, I, I knew what the numbers, the the monthly numbers and year-end numbers, and I'm, I'm quoting National UFO Reporting Center statistics here in the United States. So I, I, I looked at the quick numbers, and I compared them back against 2019. This is for January, February, March, April this year, compared it back against 2019, uh, uh, January, February, March, April, and 2018, okay? Uh, well, Goodness gracious, the numbers in January and February were beginning to look like they were five years ago, very high. It looked like this year was going to, 2020 was going to be a banner year for sightings. And I was getting really excited about that. And then I looked at March and they, 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 they were terrible. They were a half or a third of what they should have been based on the model. You know, you take two months worth and plot them into my model, and it should have been a, a, a certain number. And they were about a half to one third of what they should have been based on the model. And the model accurate. And then uh, I looked at April, and I only had the half a month numbers. The National UFO Reporting Center only updates the public database uh, twice a month, uh, about middle of the month and then again at the end of the month. And I looked at the middle of the month numbers, and those numbers were uh, a quarter of what they should have been. And the only – I was telling another reporter uh, on an interview uh, the other night that I said, you know, the, the only thing I can figure is while we theoretically have clear skies, okay, we've got leisure time in spades, as they say, and but – People are, what are we doing? We're sitting in streaming television and we're eating. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to have to go on a diet after this thing. Absolutely, you know? yeah. So th- that's pretty much the deal. Um, uh, the, the sightings are driven by people. That, when I say leisure time, it, it's, it's people. It turns out, and this has given me an insight, you know, in uh, leisure time is this thing. It's not just, you know, being able to sit around. Leisure time is, uh, you're not at work, so you're out doing things. You're going out to the mall to go shopping. You're in the parking lot. You look up. You see something. Wow. You know, you, you went out to Bible study. You, you came out after you know, nine o'clock to go home. Oh my God. There's this thing in the sky. Um, it's, it's that kind of thing. Uh, leisure time is also described as guys at factories. I get a lot of these and UFO sightings traditionally have been reported by smokers, dog walkers, and people smoking and going out for, uh, walking the dog. Yeah. And, uh, so what happens is, uh, a lot of people who report these things, 
I don't know how many I've read where somebody said I was out having a smoke on my on my overnight shift break, and I saw this thing. Okay, so you don't have people. Everybody's out of work right now, so you don't have the people going out for that leisurely smoke at two or three o'clock in the morning, and where they're going to see this stuff. And I think that's what's impacting it. Our normal daily cycle of activity that would put us out uh, in what, I, what we're going to call as leisure time has been disrupted in a big way. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I mean, in, in the data itself, uh, you know, over the last few years which you've been doing it, have you noticed any um, waves? You know, have you noticed that these UFO sightings tend to come in in clusters, or is it just like an average? Well, yeah, I, I, I tend to look at um, uh, right now, uh, I'm not monitoring it like every every week like I did when I was writing my column. But I am about once a month taking a look at the summary numbers, okay? I'm yeah. not really drilling down. Um, I was rather surprised to see that 2020 is peaking up to be a year very much like we had back in uh, 2012, 2013 time frame. Okay, some really peak years. It was beginning to look like that. It had the first quarter numbers except for March and April. It had uh, good February, January numbers. Um, I, I think the sightings are coming back. Um, the problem is people reporting them. And in this case, you know, like I said, I've had I've had more mail in the past two months than I've had for the last six or seven, which is interesting considering I'm not currently writing a column that's out there every week. Where do people report them then if they're not reporting them to the the paper itself? They're not reporting them. That's the problem. Or they're just telling their neighbor. Um, I did some numbers before just after the – just about the time the the paper went under last June – uh, we discovered there had been two polls. It was always difficult to figure out how many people were actually reporting what they see. Let me give you an example. Um, the, the last good numbers I had at the end of 2018 was from 2001 to the end of 2018, there was 146,800 reported sightings. And that data is combined National UFO Reporting Center and Mutual UFO Network or MUFON. Okay. Yep. Combined data. Okay. Now, Based on the model and based on samples that I've taken here for 2019, I don't have the MUFON numbers, but typically MUFON is about 30% of what the uh, National UFO Reporting Center is. It's pretty consistent. Okay, so I I extrapolated the numbers and uh, 2019, end of 2019, it looks like our sighting numbers were up to about 156,000, give or take a thousand. Okay. Well, that's that's about what I expected. Um, 2000, uh, as I put it into the model, looks like it was going to be a banner year. And like I said, it looked like we were going to have instead of the last couple of years, we've been averaging maybe uh, six to eight thousand sightings. So here we're looking at 2020 and we're talking maybe of having something upwards of 10 or 12 thousand reported sightings. Which is tr- which I think is fantastic, you know. But okay, let's go back to how many people report what they see. I did some numbers back in uh, between 2017 through 2019, and the problem I always had was um, how many people report, and we didn't have a good way of measuring that. Then in Jan- July of 2017, the Fox Pictures people had uh, did a poll, national poll, 
in the United States, and it's based on they were getting ready to promote some some horror movie based on Phoenix Lights or something like that. You know, okay. some kids got abducted. Okay, and one of the the previous national polls had not asked was uh, how many have you seen a UFO? They asked that of all the respondents, and uh, the number kept came up as about sixteen percent. Uh, 16.7%, something like that. Well, I, I, I took that with a grain of salt because that 16% of adult population in the United States just didn't ring true with the amount of sightings that were being reported. Okay, they were The amount of sightings were a fraction of what that many people say they've seen. And, yeah. and we, extra, we extrapolated that over 30 or 40 years to see how, the, how that would look. And then in um, September of 2019, there the... Um, Gallup poll people did a similar poll and uh, the numbers, uh, the numbers of like, you know, how many people believe in this stuff, how many people are on the fence, how many people don't believe in it, you know, we're pretty consistent with three or four other polls over the last 10 years. But they also did this number of how many people say they've seen one and it came out to 16 and a half, 16.7%. Well, extrapolated back against the adult population in the United States, that's million people. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah, it's about 42 million people. Basically, you know, just a little under 20% have said they've seen a UFO. And we put that back over 30 years. And the number we were coming up with, and an average, it, let me qualify this. It varies from state to state based on population and the amount of sightings that people actually report in each state. Okay. Yeah. The average is one in 277 people reports what they see. Now, that's the average nationally. Uh, it ranges, if you go back and do it for every state, which I did at one point, uh, it averages as low as 1 in 150 people reports what they see to as much as uh, 1 in 475. But the general average, the peak of the average, the, the middle of the bell curve, as they say, was uh, somewhere in the uh, high 200s. And basically, I tell most people that it averages out to basically 1 in 300 people reports what they see. Okay. And why don't they report? They either don't know where to report it. Uh, they either at some point go, mm, nah, I'm not going to tell anybody. They'll think I'm crazy. Yeah. Or, uh, or, or, or they tell their friends on the Internet, but they don't bother to report it to a national service or something like that. It makes sense. I mean, I can imagine myself you know, seeing something like that. I mean, even thinking about picking up the phone and calling the, the police or whoever it may be, it just doesn't seem like um, – It'd be worth their time, you know. <laughs> so it, I, I can see, I can see how people's mind would work for sure. Yeah, and actually, the police data doesn't always doesn't roll up unless yeah. it's like a local sighting that somebody's caught. This big bright thing just landed in the city park. That's a different ball game. That oh, yeah. that gets into health and safety and all that kind of stuff. But just seeing some some goofy light in the sky dancing around like a fairy up there, um, it isn't worth the police spotter time, as they say. Um, but Reporting it to a national reporting service does help researchers get an idea of, of these things. And I hear people all the time, well, I don't trust them. They're going to know who I am. Uh, you don't have to say who you are. You can just report your story and just post it there within the, within that reporting service. Same thing goes for MUFON. Now, it's nice if they can't, if you do tell them, they don't tell, they don't publish. In fact, all the data, uh, when I first published the book, at the 100 and, uh, 121,000 some odd sightings that we had, um, we didn't know who those people were. Okay, In fact, my column, my editor and I always agreed from the first column that we did of the 237 that we did, we agreed not to out anybody. Now, 
typically a journalist goes, who, what, when, where, why? Well, we didn't know why these UFOs are there. And if I did know and could prove it, I'd be getting a Nobel Prize. And we really didn't want to tell you who, because most pe- a lot of people are anonymous or we don't want to out anybody. But neither of the reporting services publicly publish who reported them. So we just left that out and just kept the what, when, and where. Yeah, yeah seems reasonable. I mean, it was a couple of years ago now that we spoke to you about your, your first book, the um, UFO site and desk reference. Yes. Um, but what was what would you say? Um, well, first of all, what sort of feedback did you get from that book? Because I know it was like uh, based on statistics rather than actual accounts. So I guess people, um, you know, might give you some grief over that at some point. But um, <laughs> yeah. But what was the um, you know, what was the biggest like question that you've been asked since writing the book? You know, when people have got in touch with you about the book, what what's the number one question you get asked the most? Well, okay, um, two things happened. Okay, if you went on to Amazon, uh, book was available. There's that comments area, and people who hadn't ever seen the book uh, were coming on making this one-liner response. You have no proof. There's no such thing. This oh, type right. of thing. Yeah, yeah. And of course, then there were people who read about it or went in and looked at the sample. You know, they, they show you a certain percentage of the book, like 5% of the book, something like that. Oh, it's just charts, tables, and numbers. Oh my God, there's no case studies in there. You know, we were getting that kind of response. Yeah. Um, the, again, in that case studies, uh, uh, concept, there were people, uh, dropping me emails saying, Oh, you're not a real researcher. You're not boots on the ground, you know. And of course, our aunt, um, my wife and I published the book together. It was a joint project, and um, she's as much a researcher as I am. And uh, our attitude is: look, we're a couple of retired old ladies. We don't like barbed wire. We don't like walking around in Mrs. Murphy's uh, uh, cow yard, stepping in cow patties. You know, that's our, I don't like ticks and I don't like bugs. You know, so uh, I fly a terminal and do my research uh, with uh, with computer technology. And there, there's a very stiff bunch of people who really, really feel that oh, you got to be a boots on the ground investigator, but. Um, that that proved out what we when we published the book, this was a breath of fresh air. The New York Times had in 70 years had never taken this subject matter seriously, and here comes a reporter takes a, a copy of our two and a half pound 374 page book, throws it on his editor's desk and say, "I know why we don't report UFOs. Some old ladies in Syracuse, New York, did the science." You know, yeah, and yeah. they published this brilliant article and still available on the Internet. If you want to see it, it uh, New, uh, if you Google uh, NYT for New York Times, Costa UFO, an April 24th article from 2017, it ta- that just uh, they published it in Science Magazine, of all things. OK. Yeah. And, and of course, later, what, six months, six months later, they did the big reveal about the Pentagon project. You know, so we were helping that whole disclosure sh- changing the viewpoint that this phenomena probably is real you know and of course what the pentagon just recently about a week or so ago came out and confirmed that all that footage was real yeah so the the reaction to to your question the reaction for uh, people who were really interested that didn't just want stories um was wow somebody did the science 
Okay, and that was a breath of fresh air because people have been screaming for years in the UFO community, what is somebody going to do to science? We did the science, but there was also people who pushed back and said, well, that's not science. You're not boots on the ground. So, it, you know, you can't keep everybody happy. But uh, based on the sales of the book, uh, a lot of people found it fascinating. I, I still get mail based on the original book. We're still selling the original book. And uh, so to keep everybody happy, the new book that we just published called the UFO beat. We basically published all of my articles that we pub- that we did in the newspaper for the seven years that I wrote articles for the Syracuse new times. Okay. Before they went out of business. Yeah. So, um, this is stories. Now th- this book is a storybook. You go in there and there's three to 300 to a uh, thousand, about sightings in New York State or some sightings other places in the country. We talk about disclosure. We rant about the fact that our public officials won't talk to us about it and tell us it's a laughable topic. I, mean, I, I, I attack everything in there uh, about UFOs, but I, it's a, a very positive article. In fact, my editor and I, when we originally started this stuff, said, let's treat UFO sightings very matter-of-factly and report them like we report any car accident, any, any, any break-in, any fire down the street. Yeah, any paper anywhere, there's going to be an element of speculation on on some of the stories anyway. So it's still well within the parameters of what's interesting to people anyway. But um, well, him- th- th- uh, let's go there for a moment, okay? He can't. Yeah. He tried me out for a month. He said, "I'll try you out for a month." Okay, and I gave him five articles. He calls me up uh, about a month later. Come on in, we got to talk. I thought, well, that's it. He's he's, he's going to throw me. He's yeah, not going to yeah. keep me, right? I walk into the meeting, and he's got uh, a table full of his other co- uh, columnists standing there, and he stops talking. I'm just a couple minutes late for the meeting. He stopped talking, points at me, and says, "There's our rock star." I'm going, "What are you talking about?" He says, "You're pulling more page views than all of." Bind. And I'd only been there for four or five weeks. About six months later, the uh, digital editor comes to me since we were an online uh, blog column. Our digital editor called me up and says, you know, you got a national audience. I said, really? You know, and of course, they could measure that stuff at the server, you know. And then um, uh, at the end of the year, um, we were talking and he says, uh, they call me in and uh, they said, well, you got an international audience as well. And who knew? Who knew a little dinky weekly paper in upstate New York would generate that kind of interest? Yeah, well, that, that just shows you the power of the subject. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, is there any story there that you know particularly you find interesting enough to talk about now? Yeah, there's one. It was in it, during my first year of reporting this stuff. It happened in February of 2013. Okay. Now, I tried to get other newspapers in upstate New York to report the story. I tried for months. Okay. It happened in February 2013. I tried for months. I reached out to various editors and either I would get shut out or they said, go away. Um, uh, It's stupid. You know, I got all the reactions. Okay. Um, Oh, they can't. Oh, the other famous one I got is, oh, oh, alien life. They can't get can't get here from there. You know, yeah, it's, the, the distances, up, yeah. yeah, distances are too vast, you know. And I said, wait a minute. It took, I, I told a bunch of them, I said, wait a minute, you know, it took two, two, two and a half, three months for, uh, uh, Columbus to get to the new world. Uh, we do it in six hours now. I mean, come on, you know, maybe they know something we don't, you know, mm-hmm. but no, it, it just didn't sit with them. They had this, this whole knee jerk logic. They can't get there, you know. I'll tell you, these editors, they can't imagine big. 
they can't think big that maybe somebody else knows how to do this that we don't okay so the bottom line was which is arrogance uh, isn't it i mean that that, what, that that's that element of uh, the human um being where the, we think we're almost superior to a lot exactly, of things exactly you know? exactly we get that false sense of surety out of that i think well, remember what it used to be. The, the universe uh, revolves around the Earth. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know that, that whole mindset, or, or uh, uh, we're, we're the pinnacle of uh, of uh, brilliance and culture, and uh, they're not willing to accept, uh, uh, accept the fact that maybe somebody's out there, cultures out there, a million years or many thousands of years advanced over us. But okay, the story you want. Well, there was a story. And I ended up reporting it. It was the last story of my 2013 series. Okay, I waited right literally to the end of December to report it. And I don't remember the case number off the top of my head. But um, the story was these people saw three lights coming down into an industrial park area out near Albany, New York, in one of the big suburbs out there. And these lights were coming down. And uh, as they got closer to the ground, they merged into one bright blue light. Okay. Now, secondary roads near the industrial park area, um, people who were really close to the, the actually close to the, where the sighting seemed to be coming down close to the ground, uh, their cars quit, their cell phones went dead, all that kind of stuff. There was like a damping field there to shut off all the electronics. Okay. Yep. And um, one guy in the report said that it was like he could almost reach up and touch it. It was like 12, 15 feet above him. Okay. And when it decided to leave, it, it, it went up into the air a little bit. It split into three parts again, and they each went off in their own direction. Okay. And um, I confirmed the story, but I couldn't get anybody in the media to report it. Okay. And I'll give you another example. There was a, something I heard the other day. I was on Coast to Coast AM a couple of weeks ago, and a guy contacted me. He actually called called into the show, told about a sighting in 1997 up in, I believe it was up in uh, uh, New Hampshire, and um, a thing came down, landed like in a in a wooded uh, in a hole, and the occupants got out and said they wanted to talk to the local local. You know, uh, government leadership, and they literally had a meeting with the local government leaders of the township. Okay, and it was reported by their local paper. It was reported by a regional paper. Boston Globe even ran a small story on it, but nobody else picked up the story. So that tells me there's something going on with the the editors and publishers of newspapers uh, at that time. Basically, uh, and it's Steve Bassett, you know who he is. He's the, he's the, uh, um, the our our um, lobbyist in Congress, and he told these guys are worried about their own credibility. Now, on any other year, I would say, I would argue with that. But currently, with the administration we have in our government here in the United States, I can see why the newspapers are concerned about their credibility because they're dealing with somebody with absolutely no credibility. You know, so uh, so th- that's that's the deal. Um, uh, uh, the, there's a lot of people who will not report a story. I had one newspaper uh, up here. I pitched them, and they ended up having a couple of their younger reporters report. You know, they just went out to the National UFO Reporting Center and reported what the local sightings were, and they say, "Well, that's our UFO column." We don't need you. 
Yeah. I said, yeah, okay, so um, where's the depth of your article? The guy just reported a bunch of local sightings of local interest, and that's it. There's no more depth than that. Uh, here, go look at my articles online. The server's still up for the time being. Um, and uh, go look at my articles. There's more depth there, but they weren't interested. Of course, they probably just didn't want to pay, pay another person some money to do it. So. Yeah. Going back to that story that you just um, spoke about there, I mean, do we? I mean, do these people saying what these creatures or beings look like? I mean, do we, do we have any idea of what message they gave? Nobody. Uh, you mean the one up there in New Hampshire? Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying. Uh, no, I don't. The, the report, from what I understand, the reporting was quite detailed in the couple of places it got published. We're still trying to arc, uh, dig down in the archives and try and find it. Uh, I'm getting ready to make a request up to uh, some uh, newspapers up in that general area and see if I can get uh, 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 an information uh, librarian to look it up for me. But right now, it's not available on the Internet. You're not going to find it on the Internet, and that's probably why we don't know about it. Yeah, well, I hope you find uh, some more details on that. Be uh, fascinating. Um, well, given let me, let me let me put in a good word for libraries. If you really want to yeah, do yeah. serious research on some things, okay, yeah. uh, just going uh, going into you're not going to find everything on the internet, okay? No, absolutely uh, not. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Uh, there was an actor. Uh, his name is uh, Blocher. I can't remember his first name off the top of my head. Uh, he was a professional actor, and he was on uh, uh, he's on tour, you know, a tour company. And what he did was every time he went into a little town, remember he worked at night, so he would he would during the daytime go into the local library and ask to go and visit their their morgue, which is uh, all the old old newspapers, and or look at their microfilm, whatever. And he looked at the material for June and July of 1947. Now there was a huge UFO wave, and of course that's about the that's the same, and the June July time frame was also the time period of Roswell, all this stuff. Yeah. Well, Roswell was one thing, but if you go back in his paper, in fact, if you look up the 1947 UFO wave on Google, you'll find a PDF of his original paper. It was done for the old NICAP organization, okay, and uh, the analysis of what was going on? There was far more going on over that two-month period for about uh, for about thirty days. The way he got this information was going and haunting libraries in every town that his his the show he was in played in. It was meticulous research. Okay, uh, now was it every sim- single state in the country? No, it wasn't. But he looked for local stories of local sightings in the newspapers of the day. Like the New York Times and all this stuff, the Associated Press said they were getting reports from 38 states at the time in the June-July time frame uh, of 1947, which was getting everybody was fascinated. So you know, one of the points that came up to me, and I had this conversation with Stanton Friedman. You know, this guy's like the you know the, uh, the late Stanton Friedman. He's a dean of all this research. Yeah. I said. When I called him up on the phone one day, and I said, he's Stanton. I said, anybody look at this 1947 data, kind of like, you know, Starship Down, and uh, everybody in the galaxy came looking for them? You know? And he said, yeah, it's been suggested a few times in private quarters. And I said, okay. You know, so, you know, so the 
this. But, you know, everybody who goes out here and does a television program or a documentary always says, well, it starts with Roswell. Baloney. It does not start with Roswell. There's a lot going on. It goes back back to the biblical times. But in, in current times, most people have no idea that there was this huge wave of stuff going on in the June, July time frame in 1947. And almost nobody has taken it seriously and really looked at it. That would make sense because I mean, my personal belief on the old Roswell thing is if a, if a if a craft did crash land, then it wasn't just a probe; it was you know a, a craft that had beings aboard. Uh, my assumption would be that they would come looking for it; they would come to try and retrieve it, especially if they're so um, I don't know what nice way of saying it, but uh, so um, standoffish with us. Um, for that technology or that uh, any sort of evidence or any sort of uh, information we could glean from that I, I just don't think that they would want that to fall into our hands given the the fact that they don't um you know don't approach us um even i think Stephen Hawking has said something similar he, he said that you know if they're out there and they are um you know standing off us that can only mean one thing and that's not good news for us um i don't know how you feel about it all well, okay, there's the, there's the old, uh, say, use a Star Trek term, prime directive theory, um, uh, not to give advantage to a person. Okay. Yeah. Um, and to some degree that, 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 that makes about as much, that does make a lot of sense. I mean, it's like handing out loaded shotguns to third graders, you know, so, you know, that's, that's not wonderful. But, um, I think also was, you have to look at the, um, intelligent life component, you know, um, we know there were two crashes in that time period. Okay, there was a Roswell, and there was another one further west of there. And the uh, the issue, there were two sites. So what do we have here? We've got research personnel from another world down on a hostile planet. And, you know, when we have an airplane crash or a small plane crash or something like that, they send out the Civil Air Patrol to go see if they can find them, right? Yep. So, uh We've got a similar thing. Starship down on a hostile planet. Everybody showed up to look for them. And the clusters are interesting. Um, uh, at the time, and this is research work I did uh, researching it. In, and again, this is not Internet research. This required me to go to a college library and pull microfilm of different newspapers uh, at that time. Okay, this is the kind of research people think they can think it's all on the Internet and you just sit here and play with it. No, you can't. You got to go do some scholarship and go to a library. And uh, I have a professional librarian for a wife. So it 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 helps that um, I I get some special care there. But the thing is, if you go into any library and uh, do research, take a notebook with you and take a thumb drive with you, because uh, a lot of places now have uh, a scanner when you go to look at the microphone film they have it's hooked up to a like a a usb type scanner and when you get a shot of what you want instead of getting giving you a hard copy you push it and it saves a pdf onto your thumb drive you know and that was that was really helpful um the biggest thing you have to look at is the fact that uh something really interesting did go on at that time and um because it's hidden in the back and because our topic matter is considered fringe nobody knows about it and the people who are out here trying to do television programs don't talk about it because they're not doing the research. They're not doing research. They're just jumping on this, the, what I call the pop bandwagon and say, well, it all started with Roswell, you know, mm-hmm. 
and there was something bigger going on. And uh, oh, oh, well, let me go back to what the point was. I did research, and I wrote an article about it. Um, during the time there was all these sightings going on in late June, early July, Roswell hadn't been reported yet. Um, they, the press was trying to contact the head of the Army Air Corps at that point, okay? And uh, he was out of town. When he did show up, they asked him, well, what about all these UFO sightings? Well, I don't know, guys. I've been out of circulation for a couple of weeks on a fishing trip up in Oregon. Well, if you research it, Oregon was in the middle of a peak of sightings. So naturally, the head of the Air Force was up there during this peak of sightings. Mm. Okay, but people don't make those connections because nobody does research like that. So um, that's that's all I can say about 1947 at this point. Okay, so for me, you know, even just looking at the 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 cold hard facts of all these cases, you can start to whittle out cases that don't fit the, should we say, norm. Obviously, there's always going to be cases that are outside of the norm, which still are intriguing and and, and fascinating in their own ways. But if you've got enough cases where you start to see the similar patterns emerging, and this is the same with um, you know Bigfoot. Uh, ghosts, all different kinds of um, phenomenon, but particularly in UFOs, once you start seeing these same patterns, same shape crafts, uh, uh, time of day, time of year, time you know similar place, blah blah blah, um, then obviously that you know all in a part and um, presented as one piece, surely that leaves the skeptics very little wiggle room other than just plain denial. I would agree. I would agree 100%. Um, the guy you really need to have on is Dr. Ray Hernandez, um, person that put out the Beyond UFOs book. It was for the uh, Edgar Mitchell Foundation where they interviewed like 4,500 people, okay, oh. mostly abductees, okay? And the one thing, Ray and I had a really, really long talk. Uh, let's call it a, a debate in the lobby, okay? We were in this very deep conversation at the um, – the uh, Ozarks uh, UFO conference. And we were out in the lobby having this long talk, sat down across the table and we're talking. And uh, we got so deeply involved in our conversation, it, we didn't realize people ears around us when we got out done with what we were talking about. We must have had 30 people circled around us. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the one thing, that, one thing that came out of this is this, what you just mentioned, Ghosts, psychic phenomena, UFOs, um, Bigfoot, whatever you want to lump in there, all these things that are on this paranormal thing. Unfortunately, our culture has gone and stovepiped each of these phenomena. Mm. And the one thing we both came to a conclusion with is uh, this whole consciousness model is a very important thing. And the hardware people will argue to death, oh, you got to get in the cockpit and look at the technology, you know. But the the if we're going to make contact with ET, it's the consciousness issue that's going to get us there. And I think the CE5 people are on the right track, point one. That's my opinion. And, uh, and, and this is somebody who used to live in a Buddhist monastery. I know a lot about the consciousness model. Okay. So uh, trust me, I, th- I really think if we're going to make contact with ET, we need to do it uh, at, 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 at a consciousness level. But all these things, ghosts, uh, all kinds of psychic phenomena, all this weird stuff, needs to be taken out of these stovepipes and looked at as one common phenomena yep. Beca- because it's inter um uh, give me an example let's go back into like medieval ages they used to talk about 
incubuses and succubuses, you know, um, uh, touching people and things like this. How do we know? Because they didn't know what aliens were. Of course, they, they wrote it off to demons coming and taking the poor man's seed, you know, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, how, do, how do we know that that was just not an early attempt uh, of genetic breeding Okay, on their part? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, you know, if, if you look at a different light, then we've got, a, we've got a, a very different picture of things. And I think we need to examine these kinds of conversations. And it, it, I, I never really paid a lot of attention to Bigfoot. Last, uh, last October, I was a, a speaker at the um, a Greater New England UFO Conference up in Lowminster, uh, Massachusetts. And she had a very big, uh, a very big segment of UFO researchers, uh, not UFO, but Bigfoot researchers there. More about Bigfoot than I ever thought I was going to know. And I saw some amazing pictures. Most everybody said, well, these Bigfoot pictures, they're always blurred. Well, I saw a lot that weren't blurred. Yeah, and it was an amazing, amazing experience. Footprints, everything. You know, and they had castings of these things. So um, there's a lot to this. And I think we need to start looking at all of this phenomena with a common view and particularly uh, things like hauntings and things like this, because I think we uh, what we're dealing with is some time over uh, uh, what I've seen. It seems to be it's less about dead people and more about time overlaps and little holes in time crossing, crossing, connecting with current reality. Yeah. And uh, how do we know the people that uh, we, we think we're seeing, you know, oh, my God, I'm seeing an apparition might be literally somebody on the other side at another time frame looking at us and thinking we're the ghost. You know, um, uh, where, where we're getting kind of a cross reality thing there where we're interfacing. So there's there's a, a different way of looking at this stuff. And I think UFOs are part of it. Um, uh, Colonel um, John Alexander made a very good comment to me one day. We were talking and he says, you know, back in biblical times, they didn't need to have big tin cans to come down here and visit us. OK, yeah. uh, the, the the interpretation of in those days, it was fiery chariots and things like that, you know, but uh, uh, wheels within wheels, as they say, with uh, with um, uh, Gienek. So the, the, I think the bottom line is we have to look at the UFO, the UFO phenomena differently. It's our interpretation. We have a different visualization now. We have a different way of framing it in our minds. We have a different now than our ancient ancestors had and i think we really do need to look at this stuff as a different phenomena and people say to me well uh, what are we going to do if we have to face aliens i said honey they're walking among us right now but our narrow view of consciousness our own consciousness we don't see them mm. you know it's and i somebody explained that and i said like how many times have you lost your car keys and the things were sitting right there in front of you on the coffee table yeah you know, it's it's a matter of view. Well, and yeah. when you when you go deeper into quantum physics, there are people who see them walking among us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, you exactly. Got, you got things like um, the idea that you know, if you go to the fridge and open the fridge to to get out like butter or whatever's in the fridge, and before you open that door, quantum physics allows right for the butter in there not to be in the fridge before you open that door. Which it's take, both there and not there. Which, yes. Yeah, which takes some <laughs> getting your head around, but yeah, you know what I mean. So who knows, you know? But what, what, what? Uh, well, you know, the, the, I. You dropped out on me. Yeah, you did as well. Carry on. 
Okay, no, uh, okay, well, okay, let's let's go down a different uh, uh, along with that that idea. Um, uh, I run in the metaphysical community. Okay, um, uh, if you want to call it witchcraft, fine, great, but uh, I'm technically a mystic. You know, I've been at this forty years, and uh, to, to use this the Shakespeare term, fascinating things uh, that can't be explained. Uh, I can't quote it exactly, but the bottom line is is that. Um, uh, people who live in mystical households or what we call magical households, uh, their life is very different than most people's lives. You know, there were typically we seem to make these um, these uh, uh, warm reservations where th- interesting things can occur. And I don't want to call this a joke, but there's a saying among some of my Older and dearest friends, uh, Cheryl walks with one foot on Main Street and one foot in the Twilight Zone. Okay, yeah. and you spend any amount of time in my apartment, uh, you may see things or experience things you never anticipated existed. I truly believe that the uh, the aliens have been walking among us. There's a, a lot that just that a lot of them that re- resemble uh, are very close resemblance to. And um, on the other hand, there's also some that aren't. But the thing is, is our our level of there's a great line from the original MIB movie that refer, uh, the, the one of the bug the bug ma- made a reference and said, you know, you people are barely conscious pond pond scum, you know. Yeah. And 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 in this in this context, we are um, because most people only believe what they see in front of them, and they're they're not willing to sit down, clear the chatter in our Western minds mm. enough. And this is the booking, you know, you know uh, clear the chatter in our mind and open our consciousness and, and to quote my llama, stretch our personal reality a bit. Even if that's possible anymore, you know, with the amount of different frequencies that we're bombarded with and, and all the rest of it. I, I wonder if unless you're in, you know, remote enough, I wonder if that's even possible now to shut your brain down that, that to that effect. Yes, it is. It is. It, yeah. It's it. It requires that you do some work. It's uh, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, what a lot of us have learned how to do. I tell people right now uh, who uh, there's a video of me out there on YouTube someplace that's uh, talking about consciousness and UFOs and that type of thing. And I said, you know, if you want to start even getting close to exploring the consciousness thing give yourself two minutes a day and just be quiet alone with your thoughts shut the phone off and just be quiet with your thoughts and most people are not willing to do this we we've got this idea that we have to be connected to everything all the time and um and a lot of people are terrified and scared to be alone with their thoughts you know so i mean it used to be you'd go into a bank and you waited in line and go ahead no, I was just going to say most people are afraid to be alone with themselves. <laughs> Mind the force. It, it, yeah. That's exactly the problem. It yeah. used to be you go into a bank and you, if you had to wait in line, usually while you're waiting in line, you might be thinking about, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch a baseball game on Saturday or whatever. You'll be thinking about something. No, these days you walk in, you're standing in line, there's five people sitting there on their phones yakking with somebody. Oh, yeah. Indeed. You know, and so getting people to sit down. I have some mystical students and getting them to sit down and do two to five minutes worth of quiet meditation a day. Um, is like pulling teeth. Mm. So you know, so it's going to be a very long time before our general our general species consciousness is to a level where we're all aware of a bigger world around us. Yeah, hopefully we get to that point, you know, sometime. But what another interesting aspect of the UFO phenomenon itself is, you know, people will say to me, 
um, you know, because I was talking earlier about some of the things I've seen just re- recently. I've been looking for the Starlink satellites, and I've seen these uh, what I'll call pulsing lights. Um, you know, and then they'll move from one one side of the sky to the to the opposite side, uh, and then go out. It's um, interesting, but I know a lot of people around here have seen the same thing. It's been reported in the paper and all sorts of things. So. Um, then obviously this is going on. What it is, I can't tell you. Obviously we've had a meteor shower, so a lot of people are putting it down to that. But I could see meteors as well, and this was something else. But what in the you know when skeptics will say this is just a you know they'll say it's Venus or it's a satellite or whatever. But how do you explain the amount of people who see just a star or just a light in the sky but have missing time? Yeah, <laughs> you know it's. Yeah, that that's the problem. Um, uh, let's go back almost 100 years at this point. Uh, a guy by the name of Charles Fort published a book, of, uh, the, uh, the Book of the Damned, and with the damned data. And the flavor of it was, you know, we've got all this weird phenomena going on, and mainstream science won't look at it because they can't easily explain it, so they won't look. They won't look at it. Okay, um, I've tried. I've got many. I tried to get peer review of our book, the UFO Sightings Desk Reference, back when it came out, and I could not get college professionals to even look at the book. They wouldn't even look at the data. I said, "Here, we've done qualitative research. Even look at the book." You think that's just because so you tell me? About you know, it's as. Well, it, it, there's there's a stigma. Yeah. Okay. Remember, there's a stigma. This is this is a this is a threat to their professional standing, you know. And 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 that's the problem. We've got research that can't be done because trained scientists have been bombarded with this. Uh, one, there's no money to do the research, and two, there's a profession is professional suicide if you get involved with that fringe science. Yeah. And that's the problem here. Uh, academics out there privately doing this stuff but most of them are literally um uh in an emeritus status in other words they're retired and only now can they do that stuff you know and it's a darn shame that all these topic matters well let's let's go back a second uh look at galileo there was a bishop who would not look through the guy's telescope and the flavor of it was um galileo said look Look through my telescope and see that the earth goes around the sun. And the bishop replied something to the effect, I can't. If I and see uh, what you're telling me, I'll see. I'll know that the devil put it there for me to see. Yeah. That was the mindset. And we, we still sort of have this idea that certain things have to be uh, have to be acceptable, conventional view, yeah. you know. And 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 that's the problem. Um, uh, trying to get anybody to really look at the stuff and look at it with seriousness. I mean, it rattled a lot of people when they heard uh, in t- late in December of 2017 that there was this um, that the that we had these um, tic tac type things uh, ch- chasing our fleets, you know. Yeah. And uh, it rattled a bunch of people, and they said, "Well, that can't be. They, that, that that that's got to be fake news," you know. And uh, uh, I've interviewed Lou Alessandro, the guy who used to run the ATIP program down there. I've interviewed him three times, and we've had some really, really deep, frank conversations. And um, 
yeah, the stuff that they've been chasing our advanced technology. Do they haunt all of our bases? Not since the Cold War. Okay, most of our bases, military bases have been throttled down. But the ones that are active bases that have our high tech and have our nuclear weapons, those do get haunted and monitored on a regular basis. Mm. Probably for good reason, to be fair. But, it, I mean, it, I mean, it, uh, you, I mean... I think about this, and I think about the, the you know, the the UFOs monitoring these bases and all the rest of it. And I hear a lot of people say um, there'll be a, there'll never be a, like a, a nuclear war or anything like that because they won't let it happen and all this. But you know, we don't know that. You know, we don't know uh, who they would let fire a nuclear weapon, who they wouldn't let fire a nuclear weapon, if they'd let anybody or let us all. We just don't know. So I think we we tend to put a little bit too much faith. Uh, is a good word. Faith into the UFOs being some sort of guardian angel? Well, okay. There has been what I call the UFO nanny effect for for cent- uh, centuries. Yeah. Back at 1561, the, the Star Wars type battle going on over Nuremberg on the 14th of April. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a woodcut out there if you Google 14 April 1561. And then five years later, it happened two different weeks during uh, in uh, uh, 1556. You know, so I mean, there's there's been goofy things going on, and of course we also know that they uh, there's plenty of documentation out there. We saw that from the early 60s right up to the early 70s, uh, through the 70s they were shutting down our missiles. They were monkeying around with the Soviets' missiles, and they scared the snot out of the people who were managing them. Um, and and that made me feel very good that that they didn't want – like the way they look at us is, you know, we got a bunch of third graders down there with a box of matches, you know, and I, I think that's the, the the world that they're looking at here. So um, there has been very, very strong evidence that they have steered our culture, our species over the centuries educating us if you go back to like early culture times that they talk about apollo coming down and teaching people how to do this and teaching people how to do that uh athena coming down and teaching people how to do this and how to do that okay mm-hmm. um and but people write it off as oh the myth of the gods no i think there was something bigger going on there I, it's like a it's like an intergalactic peace court it came down here and showed it showed us how to uh cult uh uh do agriculture and things like this and um almost every culture talks of somebody special who came and visited from someplace Japanese have that story that 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 story so there's there's um everybody's got that so the bottom line is yeah there's been a nanny culture sort of an intergalactic peace corps here for generations yeah where do you think all this is leading? I mean, do you have any guesses as to where all this is leading? Do you think there is going to be a disclosure at some point? Or I think we've already had disclosure. The problem is, is that um, a lot of people, a lot of people, won't accept when, it. Well, well, it won't accept it. I mean, when we had the thing with the military thing came out in uh, to get a major newspaper. Re- Times, Politico, and even the Washington Post got involved back when that whole thing blew up on uh, December 16th in 2017. Um, to get a major newspaper record to report that topic matter was a huge thing. But 
there's going to be seven, according to polls, about 17 to 20 percent of people who won't wouldn't accept it, even if you, you you walked the alien out. They would call it fake news. They would call it special effects. You know, they would call yeah, it Hollywood. Yeah. They just wouldn't wrap their head around it. Okay, and I think that's the biggest problem we've got. Um, I, people keep wanting somebody like the president to get on camera article like that i said you know it might look like this here's the president here's the vice president here's a couple key cabinet members uh and 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 they're going to get on television tell us these things are real okay and uh, everybody wants that kind of a disclosure and i think we came close to it had we won the 2016 election with hillary clinton we probably would have had it by now um and I still think uh, I hate to use the term deep state. I still think the deep state wants us to have it, um, to get it out. It's a it's a secret. It's been kept for far too long, mm. and it needs to come out because it how we conduct stuff, how we conduct ourselves from here on out. And I think it would help us tremendously to, as a culture, to realize that they're truly we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones with intellect in the universe i think it would make a big it would make a big impact on our culture on the other hand it could have some some earth-shaking impacts on our culture too you know who knows yeah well that, i mean you see that element uh, of trouble within the humans just during this coronavirus um, pandemic you see people rushing out and uh, you know taking food all the food off the shelves all the toilet roll off the shelves um for no reason whatsoever you know there's literally no reason for that uh but they go into a state of panic and then you then you wonder just what would happen if if they were told the truth um you know because a lot of people i know sort of think that most people would you know think about it for maybe an hour maybe half an hour after it was told and then go back to their normal lives pick up the phone and 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 you know go back to the phone whatever they was doing beforehand um but when you see something like that happen you know just recently um it, it makes you question you know just what people how people would react to that sort of news yeah that, that that's exactly it um I, I, you know, I think people would go back to normal. I mean, like back again, back to December 2017. Uh, there was a lot of fascination. It, it it was in the moon. It was in the news cycle for a, for a couple of weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. but um, give an example. I had a a, a public radio station uh, had me on with Leslie King and, and Ralph Blumenthal, who did the original story for the New York Times, and they had me on because. Uh, Linda and I are the only statistics expert and when I offered them a follow-up interview it's dead silence like I usually get you know they they weren't interested in talking about the numbers even bigger because it was a bigger story the thing is I believe that the people in the pre- in the media uh, in the greater media are one afraid of their credibility two they're afraid of the truth they're afraid about upsetting the masses okay um, because the truth, uh, the truth really would rattle people, and um, it, it's hard to explain. I, I get very concerned when people say, you know, we want the truth. And there's that great line from that movie, uh, the movie or the book, um, uh, a few good the play actually, a few good men. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. You know, and and that's what it really boils down to. Uh, you saw what happened with this. Everybody running around panicking. 
You know, I live yeah. in upstate New York, and I haven't seen the the shelves in my supermarket bare like this ex- from except from when I lived in Florida for a short time, and there was a threat of a hurricane, the, the, the place was cleaned out, you know. So it's the same sort of, in fact, I remarked to somebody, I said, wow, this looks like Florida in hurricane season, you know. So it, 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 people have, people panic, people react, um, people are trying to protect their own, their own families, and that's understandable. Um, a lot of people in the UFO community, particularly the, the conspiracy theorists, thought that we were going to be subjected to some kind of a fake alien invasion or something like this. But this actually sort of kind of gives you a, a good indication of what that might have looked like. Yeah, yeah. I think we need to be wrapping this up. Absolutely. So what's uh, so what's the new book called, and where can people get it? book is called the ufo beat okay because that was my beat news, yep. newspaper terminology uh, i had the ufo beat um by cheryl costa costa and um it, it's available on amazon if you look up cheryl costa that you'll see that book there uh, along with a couple of my other books but uh, the bottom line that so if you're going to have two books the two you should get is the ufo sightings deaths reference good through 2015 for the data uh and uh the ufo beat the ufo beat will give you the stories that people like to read about, and you know what's really uh, people sometimes say it's kind of creepy when they read the uh, read the the stories in there. There's nice articles, but what we used to do at the end of the articles, not every article, but most of them, we do some that some of the UFO sightings that we would read about that was not much more than a one-liner, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I would put some of these in there and a uh, little one-liner. Uh, uh, February third, uh, uh, two thousand, you know, fourteen. Uh, 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 a a Auburn, New York re- resident saw this. Da 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 da. A one-sentence description, right? And uh, I. I found my my wife used to do like the pre you know copy edit on the articles and some of these little one liner things creeped her out and she says my gosh think about that you know and and I had a lot of mail from people who were who were spooked by some of these one liners it was very intriguing so the the book is uh, three hundred and fifty some odd pages eight and a half by eleven size book and uh, it's uh, all the articles we did. I had 236 articles published. Uh, I never was censored, okay, by my editors. Okay, the, yeah. they rolled with almost everything, and, and I attacked political people in my state, my congressional delegation. I attacked a lot of things. We published the UFO sightings by our congress, congressional districts at one point. Calls on that, um, and there was only one article that was spiked. Now, spike is a term that is used in the press where uh, an editor says we're not going to publish that one, and they, they put it on the spike, and that's it. Okay, um, I had one that they felt that I had developed such a gravitas as an expert. They felt that this article that was a little on the snarky side, um, they felt it would diminish me. So All we right. included that in the collection. You know, but uh, that's it. It's a, a, a it's a, it's good reading. It's the UFO sightings desk reference wasn't exactly the kind of book you curl up in a chair with a cup of hot tea with. Yeah, the yeah. UFO beat is certainly that kind of book. Okay, and I, I encourage people to if you like if you like to read about people's sightings, this is the book to get. It really is. Nice. And you, you're still going to continue with the UFO um, sightings, the the data collection. I see something you can keep going with. Or? 
what we're doing, what we're doing right now is uh, provided we survive the pandemic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well. um, what the plan is, is uh, when we get to the end of 2020, we will gather the 2019 and 2020 data. We'll add it to the database and do an analysis. And hopefully 2021, we would publish uh, another desk reference, and what that would be end up being is a 20-year snapshot from 2001 to the end of 2020, a 20-year snapshot of the 21st century's UFO sightings. And um, that's the point where Linda and I would basically hope to uh, walk off into the sunset and let somebody else do that work from now on. <laughs> Indeed. Well, thank you very much for joining me, and uh, it's been fascinating as always. My pleasure. Thank you. Have us back again. Absolutely. Well, they've gone. Though, just for now, it wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. Mm -hmm.